Glad to be able to share this episode of the Cultural Hall with you guys. It originally took place over on our Facebook page. Uh, shout out to Mr. Mayor himself. He helped orchestrate some of the technical things with it. Here's the deal. If you're not following us on all social medias, be sure you do so at the Cultural Hall into all the places. Uh, we would love for you to join, have, and be with us there. Also, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall. If you've never listened to the Cultural Hall before, I want you to know that this is a positive place for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and those who are not uh, to be able to talk about all things uh, in and around and pertaining to the church. Sometimes we get silly. Sometimes we get raucous and irreverent, but we never get anti, as I know that that would be the worry of some folks. I just want to make sure that we make that loud and clear. Uh, you can find us over on patreon.com forward slash the culture hall to become a Patreon saint. And you can always email us contact at the I am excited to be able to share this episode with you uh, with a couple of good friends of mine, all returning guests. It's once I was engaged, the cast, some of the cast, here in this episode of The Cultural Hall. All right, everyone. Uh, it's the moment you have been waiting for. A six-year moment in waiting, uh, joined by not only the director, but some of the writers, as well as some of the this stars. This is being recorded. The stars of Once I Was Engaged. Uh, all of you now making a multiple appearance here in the Cultural Hall. Uh, I'll start in order of my favorite. So we go to Haley Joe. Uh, she's my very favorite. Uh, thank you for being back here and joining us. Thank you so much for having us. I'm so excited. Uh, my second favorite, M Mr. McLean Nelson, the golden boy. We're going to find out uh, why we call him the golden boy. <laughs> and then uh, Lisa. So, hey, yeah. welcome, Lisa. Great, great <laughs> to have you. Thanks, Richie T. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, for everyone who doesn't know, Lisa and I work together uh, in the day job, so you can anticipate that there will be lots of jabs where Lisa will be <laughs> the butt end of that joke. Um, yep. So once I was engaged, this is pretty exciting. You guys have not yet had uh, the grand premiere. I have had the opportunity to see the film, but I want to let everyone you know. Saw it. Of course. Of he course I did. No, he watched it. You yeah, guys. I didn't know you saw it. Yeah, of course. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just have my friends on to talk about their artistic project without me being able to allow input into what is being said and what is being oh, done. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so, so I want to start um, from the very beginning, not necessarily the once I was a beehive, though if people haven't made that connection, I think that that's important to note. It is a sequel film uh, to Once I Was a Beehive. Who will give the premise of that, and then who will say why we got to Once I Was Engaged? Who wants to give the kind of backstory of Once I Was a Beehive? Is that pointing to me, Haley? Yeah. Haley, yep. All right, McLean. Okay, so the the main story about Once I Was a Beehive was is about a girl who uh, loses her father tragically, and um, about a year later, her mother remarries into a family where the the husband is Mormon. She doesn't really know much about the culture or anything. And she, while they go on their honeymoon, she kind of gets roped in to going on a LDS girls camp. 
And so she's not happy about it, but she kind of connects with her new kind of cousin-in-law um, or cousin, you know, step-cousin. Step-cousin. Uh, sorry, step-cousin. And um, basically they, they just kind of learn, they learn a lot from each other and they grow together. And it's a really fun coming of age comedy about summer camp. And uh, kind of the, the way that the next step happened is that that movie was kind of like the little movie that could, people just liked it and shared it and told more people about it. And some people's favorite movie, they literally watch it every week and every Sunday it's their family movie. And after years and years of people saying, you gotta do a sequel, you gotta do a sequel. We finally were like, okay, let's do a sequel. And that's why we have Once I Was Engaged. So when you when you have the idea of a sequel, there's certainly the weight of, okay, is it uh, we visit some of the characters and bring them up to what it is now, or is it uh, the same story retold in a different situation? I know that, Haley, you had some, or a lot, or I don't, you'll probably tell me, but something to do with the writing uh, of this film, correct? Well, yeah. So, well, basically... McLean and I for Beehive, we really um, came up with the story and characters together. And so it was really fun, like just creating this world and these characters. Mm -hmm. um, and then so, but McLean really like had the inspiration for Engaged and um, just carried all of our beloved characters into that one. So it was really fun to see like how those characters that we created together evolved um, after a few years of in, in the world of the, the movies. So. So, there was a, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. There was a lot of healthy debate and discussion yeah. over what the next round, what the next story we should tell. Should it be another camp like with the stakes rather than just one ward? Should it be? And we kind of didn't really want to go rehash camp that much. And so we thought about, you know, what's the next kind of logical step? And these girls would be going to college. They'd be contemplating missions, you know, dating and like, you know, marriage would be on at least the horizon for people in the, you know, Church of Jesus Christ culture. Mm -hmm. So we figured let's let's not let's let's do an engagement story. That would be kind of the next logical and to, and to up the stakes a little bit for for uh, dramatic purposes. <laughs> I, I will say I will say that McLean, we did give him lots of notes and we did have lots of input. And lots of strong feelings about different characters and how things should be. So um, I guess, yeah, we we definitely had a hand in the story that way. But um, yeah, it was really it was really mostly him who created this. Well, you guys come from a uh, an improv background, so with everyone coming and sort of creating all together, even though there was certainly a story and a script that was presented by McLean. This question is for you, Lisa. Uh, yeah. How much of of the cast and and what you guys felt and and within the different characters of which you were able to exist sort of created the story? Like bare bones was there. How much of you sure. or what you brought into it was there? Well, I think with Beehive, you know, we had all of these uh, this kind of spreadsheet of here's this character and what are, what are they like, and here's this character, and all that was based in reality, right? Like of what we knew from growing up. Um, with our friends and family and ourselves going to girls camp right mm -hmm. and so when you 
put that into a script, you sort of have an idea. You already have real life experience in your back pocket to, to bring out, not only when you're writing the script, it, like in the case of, uh, of, of Haley and McLean, but then when you're acting in it. Uh, and so Carrie Carrington in, for, for me, it, you know, had the script, but she had this whole backstory in life that, <laughs> that I love very, very much. And so being able to um, do a little improv during the, during scripting, or what would this be like, or how would, how would she say that? Or how would she react it? What would her face do? And what would her, you know, what kind of action would she have definitely influenced um, just like a lot of the other characters did. So having that movie then kind of come out and go, Oh, wow, that was just a lot bigger than we thought. Um, and, and continuing that into another script, we sort of planned on it. So I feel like it gave McLean a lot of freedom um, because we just love all of these characters to sort of write um, and kind of get a second chance also at, at the same kind of characters and what they would do in, in unique uh, positions. But then I felt more freedom and I think all of the other ca characters did as um, to interpret those lines and to act and to do different takes um, in different ways um, and, and because Haley and McLean and I, and, and a lot of the others on set have worked together and have done improv for, you know, decades together, um, having that trust to be able to play, um, when, when you're shooting and when you're filming saying now, just Lisa Clark, uh, this part, or what would, what would Haley do in, in this situation, you know, and bringing that kind of like flavor into the characters is just something that like I don't take for granted because it's not like that on all film sets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I would be curious kind of going uh, along with that um, when we talk about a sequel and there's certainly the groundwork that's been done with the original film. People loved it. It sort of as you to use your words McLean it was the little movie that could or wow we never would have thought it would have been something like that. That's great. People are clamoring for a sequel. That's also great. But the clamor and the there's furtherance to the story possible is not the same as producers coming and saying, here's some money, let's get this film made. What was that process <laughs> like, McLean? So that was, that was really hard. And there were a million obstacles, uh, not only for personal reasons between us and the cast, but also just like the world crumbling before us with COVID and never heard of it. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we, I mean, we actually went through several script iterations because of the different availability and not availability of our cast. You know, at one point we had, we were going to shift the whole story to be about Charlotte's character. Mm. Um, and, uh, but then things kind of at a certain point at the, at the, in the, at the mid to late 2020, a couple things just kind of fell into place as far as like uh, we found some funding um, under a from, rock or just people that really love uh, people that, that yeah. you know, like that trusted us. We've gained some real trust over the years and they they they, they came in uh, to fund the film. Um, I, you know, uh, and we put some of our own equity into this, too. It's not just, uh, you know, it's not just outside money, but it's our own. Uh, not only sweat equity, but our own, you know, part of our savings into this to, to make this happen. Cause we're, you know, we, we really believe in it. And we also, um, you know, if you can't invest in yourself, what can you invest in? So we, and we knew, we, we knew we needed to do something during this time. None of us really had jobs. The, the industry had really slowed down and it was like, either we just sit and wait it out or we try to put something together and do something special. And, 
And I think we were rewarded by that effort, by the universe kind of rewarded that effort for us to really try to push it out there. Because anytime we hit an obstacle, which there were many, we found a way through and we found another angle and we found a route and we just kept having these little wins that brought us together. And so many people, I mean, I think part of it was because people loved the movie originally so much. When we went to Hawaii, the people out there were like, oh, absolutely anything. This is once I was a sequel to Once I Was a Beehive. Absolutely. We'd love you to come here, shoot here, do this. Um, people in the vendors in Provo all knew how great that first movie was. So they wanted to be involved the, the florist, the wedding reception area, you know, all the, all the places we use have been super helpful. So it was like, yeah, we, we kind of just pulled in, uh, whatever favor we could and, you know, and to overcome any obstacle and, and we got it done. And, um, and I, I it was nothing really short of miraculous. I, I really, yeah. Uh, and also as a testament to McLean and part of the reason why we call him golden boy, but all of the cast was like, yeah, where, where do I go? When do I start? What, all of the cast returned and it was not, they're like, just tell me when to be there and I will be on set. I'm, I'm, I'm like, we're like, even in a pandemic, I mean, that really says something that, you know, they, they really had great memories of the first one and they just couldn't wait to be reunited. So it was talk really a little bit about around. the uh, pandemic experience, Haley, being on set. Cause I mean, it's one thing if you were to have filmed it in Utah, I, I mean, I, as I understand it, you're from Colorado, uh, but the rest of every, well, I guess McLean's from, okay. So you're all from the West there. Sorry. I got fumbled in my, but it's one thing to do it here on the mainland. It's an entirely different thing to be like, Hey, let's pick this up in a place we're not familiar with that has really tight restrictions on COVID. What was that experience like? Well, um, it was a little bit nerve wracking to go to Hawaii because we had to get 21 people over there. And in order to like be in the state and to work and to go about your business, you have to have a negative COVID test before, before like taking off on from the mainland. So um, yeah, we were just kind of holding our breath until every single, you know, actor and crew member landed and we got everyone there. And I mean, it was, that was a miracle for sure. But once we were there, I mean, we followed all our protocols on, um, on set and, you know, wore our masks and were very careful and everything and everywhere in public in Hawaii, you know, they have the mandates and everything, but it was kind of nice to know because we were all like living together. I mean, that was like, just a huge sigh <laughs> relief to just be able to be with our friends and we're like oh I I can touch you you're real negative and we're together and like I was I won't forget that that was like it'll come as a surprise I cried a lot yeah <laughs> it was uh, very so wonderful. so so because I know you Lisa and because I know uh about life, uh, McLean sort of alluded to this, and I don't want to dive too deep into this, sure. certainly, um, but one of those things I would anticipate that made it possible for this film to happen is the loss of your husband, had that not occurred, but then you have this opportunity to go and be in the care of the best friends that you have in the world. What was that <laughs> experience like for you? Well, um, yeah, when when we talked about filming the movie at the beginning of the year, I was living a very different life caring for, for Christopher and, and, and just thought that this was one of those things that, that I would gladly give up, even though I really wanted to do it just 
to be able to take care of Christopher and not knowing it, you know, and unfortunately, as you know, he passed in June and during a, a pandemic and, and after a few months, you know, I think that McLean and Haley, because they are such wonderful people and such close friends of mine, didn't want to bring up the possibility of like, hey, do you want to do a movie? But I, I, I kind of had asked what, what's the situation with it? And, and when they said, you know, that, that this was going to be a possibility, I just felt like that, that, that was the right time for me. And, and, and personally, it was really hard um, to think, you know, I was in the middle of, of some intense grief and wasn't sure that I could um, uh, get through a scene or get through a day without crying. And, you know, it, like personally, I just had a lot of doubts and a lot of, and it was just a dark time. And, and boy, doing this movie was just so healing, which is the understatement of this podcast and such a gift that I will always cherish it. It was just exactly what I, I needed to do at the time that I needed to. And I felt like, um, you know, Christopher was the biggest fan of, of once I was a beehive and show offs and these guys, and he, he would have loved it. And, and that made me feel really good. And so for me personally, this movie will always have like a special, special place in my heart because of what it meant to me and my family personally. Uh, worth noting, uh, Lisa mentioned show offs, which is a TV show that people can watch on the BYU TV app. Uh, three seasons of show-offs, and you'll see all these fine people in those three seasons. Uh, McLean, I can't help but wonder if you just wanted to go to Hawaii more than you wanted to go to Rexburg, because it very easily could have taken place in the wintertime in Rexburg. Was it Hawaii? Was that just a personal thing where you're like, let's let's get out of this. This is miserable. Absolutely. Well, absolutely it was because I wanted to go to Hawaii. And one yeah. of the reasons I wanted to go there was because I, I had, Claire and I had gone to Oahu. Claire is your wife. Oh, yes, Claire who plays Brie. We had gone to Oahu in um, like w when we were promoting Once I Was a Beehive because our, our numbers at the little theater there had always done well for Saratov Approach and other movies that we've done. So we're like, hey, let's take a little business slash pleasure trip, go to Hawaii and do like Q and A's and and they were so grateful, the people out there, that we came out all that way to, you know, do a Q&A and show up at the screenings and promote that I just, I, they just said, you got to come shoot something here. You got to come shoot something here. And it just, you know, made me say, yeah, I have to do this. And then actually uh, a, a good friend and a, a one, some, a, one of the bishops down in the L.A. area that I know had a daughter who was in at BYU Hawaii and um had her mission call and then her boyfriend proposed and it just was like it just that that having that story of my friend and what what had happened and then just kind of other things that had been boiling up like i was like yes this has to be in hawaii it's it's a one way to absolutely step up the beauty and you know with these independent films you got to find a little something to make the production value seem bigger than what we actually have in the bank so we, I thought if we can bootstrap it and at least get there, we can really shoot this beautiful island. We can really, you know, leverage these, you know, these, these relationships of people that want to help us out to make it seem like it's a much bigger movie than, than we had in our budget. So yes, it was, and I would much rather, obviously people would want to go to a theater to see BYU Hawaii over 
Rexburg. Nothing against Rexburg. Um, you know, my uh, I'm looking into the future and seeing the numbers from the theater in the Rexburg, Idaho. Oh, no one came to see this film. Geez, I, I don't know why. I don't know why that happened. Maybe we could just do another sequel there. Yeah. Yeah. Ta-da. What 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 I what I love about this conversation is we've sort of talked about how you guys came about it and and certainly some of the benefits of it. But I know from talking to other folks, one of the things that they love about uh, podcasts, uh, shows available in podcast form like this is, is they want to know the secrets from the set or the things to look for within the movie that it's like, oh, uh, we you know this is a little nod to this or. Um, we didn't realize that this happened, but you can see McLean standing in the background of this th- particular thing or any sort of story behind it. So okay. I, I, uh, I would love to know, Haley, what is a, a secret from the set that you could share, whether it's a story or something to look for uh, within the film? Okay, well, for all of our Once I Was a Beehive fans, there are so many little nods to that movie, if you're paying attention. Um down to like certain types of food maybe that someone is preparing or um, man, I just know when I when I first read the script, I was like, oh, there's so many beehive things. And then there's other little Easter eggs like, like show offs and Saratov approach and other things we've been involved with. So there's, there's like those kind of um, visual or line like Easter eggs that you can look for, for callbacks to other projects that we've done. So that's fun. I want to know the story, Lisa, of the story of the orange juice. One thing that Lisa can't shut up about since she got back was the story of orange juice. And and to be completely honest, I haven't paid attention to her well enough to know what she's even talking about. She just keeps talking about orange juice and Hawaii and the set. So will you tell everybody why you, why you just love orange juice or, or what this even is? Well, first of all, it's really refreshing and it's good for you. So that's number one okay all right. number two the big house that we're where um, a bunch of us were staying it had a fresh like was it tangelo a tangelo tree or a, and 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 so every morning or i i kind of joked as i we landed and because some of the crew was already there some of our friends were already there and we were texting like yeah we'll be there soon and i said please have my freshly squeezed orange juice waiting for me upon my arrival like as a total joke but then it, I, I had it, it was presented to me. And I was like, is this heaven? All of my friends are here and I'm drinking this beautiful, what is happening? And so every morning, one of us, you know, Haley did it one morning, McLean did it one morning, I did it one morning, would gather all of these um, oranges and there was like an orange juice press and we would just press them all day so that every morning- and yeah, and and huge grapefruits, and we would mix all these like fresh tropical juices and give them to each other. Um, and uh, so as soon as we finished filming, and I came home, I ordered my own on on uh, on Amazon, and now I just go to Costco and get a big bags of oranges and and juice them so that I can relive those memories because that's what we're gonna drink in heaven. So everybody, get give ready. Us, give us your catchphrase, Lisa. Remember. <laughs> Can, oh, can you, you juice it? Juice it. <laughs> we tried to juice everything. <laughs> it As an apology, we we'd like to take this time to apologize to the whoever stayed in the house after us because I don't know if there was any fruit left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we drank it all. 
By I the mean, way, we should sorry. plug, if anyone wants an amazing family reunion oh, place, gosh. go to the Oahu Whale House. If, if you go to oahuwhalehouse.com or on Instagram at Oahu Whale House, it is the perfect place for a family reunion. You will, it is like a healing, sacred, beautiful, yeah. it's, it's just incredible. So uh, it's, and you can I, I want to know the story about how you found it. Was that someone there that said, Hey, there's this place. Cause you talked earlier about you, you sort of have to make it feel grander than it actually is, or that the budget allows that in, in of itself is one of the most beautiful things about the film, just that home in and of itself. Well, the moral of the story is always be on good terms with your ex-girlfriends because actually it was an, a, a girl I dated in high school. We've stayed friends over the years. It's her family home. And um, I had seen it in pictures and we'd been in touch over the years. I mean, and it's very, you know, we have a, we have a really great friendship. She came to my wedding and um, anyway, so she, we, we contacted her and her husband about it and they were super kind to give us an amazing deal on staying there and shooting there. And uh, so, yes, that, that's, that's kind of, it. and it was kind of like that. And then they knew somebody who knew, you know, uh, one of our, one of our cameramen knew somebody who knew the, who had the, the Chesterfield home and they, they helped us get a great discount rate on that. Like, you know, like at a 10th of the price and that's another one you can, you can rent as well. And, Anyway, it's the Hale Ohana house in, in Oahu. And there's just, you know, people just really open their homes and their arms and their generosity to us. And, you know, I think it's because they love these, they, they, they love the feeling that they get when they, they watch the movies in this franchise. And so. I think it speaks a lot to the, your character as well, the character of you guys as individuals, because they wouldn't do that if they thought you guys would trash it or any of those Hollywood stories where it's like the crew came in and then the house burned to the ground. Sorry, Haley, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say another thing to look for is we had like all of these crazy like props that we needed for certain things. And in, in the home that is for the Chesterfields, um, our art team was looking everywhere on the island for a gong because we needed a gong. Fancy one. Like, a really fancy, like, a real like gong. Like, who has that? And they're just, like, tearing out their hair. We can't find this gong. So we walk into this house to shoot, and there's a giant gong just <laughs> in the house. Like, yeah. We'll take it. Thank you. So, you know, just little... <laughs> yeah. Little gifts like that are always welcome in, in the indie film world. <laughs> You, you you missed a really great chance for a reference to Garrett just walking across the set. We were looking for a gong, and there it was. There's a little inside joke for everyone. Think about it. Uh, there is a question that came through, and if people are watching this, since this is going live on Facebook, uh, it'll also be shared later that people will be able to go back and listen to it. Uh, someone wants to know, did you try to juice anything other than fruit while you guys were playing with the juicer? Maybe some tomatoes, but I mean, those are technically, yeah. um, oh, oh gosh. It was... <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I was trying to like some vegetables. We probably did. Yeah, we did some vegetables. We, we, you know, it's more of a joke, you know, than it was like actually trying to, we, 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 we wanted to uh, make sure we didn't wreck the juicer. We weren't going to juice like, you know, a potato. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, it was more of a like weird like drunk on orange juice 
kind of game of like, we should start a game show where you try to juice everything and the audience <laughs> says together, yeah, you juice <laughs> We're super cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, by the way, potato juice, no good, in case yeah. you okay. ever get the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we won't good. go to Rexburg then. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, the callback, Haley. All right, so let me ask you this, because uh, one thing that I noticed, and I went back and watched a little bit uh, to make sure that it wasn't just how I was seeing it or hearing it or viewing it differently in my mind. Once I was a beehive, uh, seemed a little less Mormony than once I was engaged, um, which is which is not to say any any sort of slight that it should be more Mormony or less Mormony. I I feel like once I was a beehive was it like yeah the girls they're going to camp and they're quirky but it, there wasn't mentions of like missions and and oh. and BYU and and you know very Mormon specific things. Uh, maybe that's part of the appeal. Maybe it isn't. But obviously that was a conscious choice to make it a little bit more Mormony. How come? You know, do you guys mind or are you, do you? No, go ahead. It's it's kind of interesting because whereas, yes, there's a couple more specific references that are Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints specific in this, the overall tone of it is less spiritual. And, you know, like, because there's so many tone, there's so many themes in the first one about the atonement and Jesus Christ and about like, you know, some, it's actually, the first one's a little bit more spiritual in its theme, mm -hmm. but less specific to the, the L, the mm -hmm. LDS culture. But this one's a little bit more specific to how this culture is, but it's comedy and it's themes are, I think more kind of universal too. Um, I, I really, I really compared to, I wanted to do, like a blend of Father of the Bride and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, two movies that people really, really uh, related to. And it didn't matter if you knew anything about the Greek culture. You could see what, what parts of your culture were into that. And I've actually had some really interesting, when we were trying to find, um, when we were trying to find uh, like our lead guy, um, I, I, I sent the script out to several actors that I knew in LA that, um, that have nothing to do with the LDS church and they would read it and they said, this is so fun. And I, I grew up Baptist and this, and I related to this X, Y, Z, you know, and, and then a handful of people that I've shown in, in LA have seen this and they so relate to it. And, and, uh, even though they're not, they don't know much about, you know, the Mormon culture, culture. So it's just, it's interesting. Like, yes, I, I, I wanted to give us, I wanted to give the world the flavor of, of how fun and how interesting and how unique this world is and also make it palatable and make it a comedy and make it more secular in, in tone overall. So I hope we did that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think so. I have a question about that uh, as far as the lead gentleman. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, but the lead uh, woman is your wife, McLean. Yes. Uh, and she is relatively your all's ages, but Lisa plays her mom. So, okay, thanks. So, so <laughs> I, I have two questions around that. Um, yes. One, what is it like working and directing your wife? Is that... Is it different? Do you put on uh, I'm not your husband, I'm your 
director trying to get the best out of you hat and get it gives you leeway or is it the same sort of relationship so maybe we start there and then i'll get to the other question i think she thinks i am harder on her than i am other actors um and i and i don't know if that's just because we're married and it's hard to be told what to do by your husband if it's not like because you can't do that in normal husband why you don't can't just tell your wife what to do that's not a thing you can discuss and you can you know but in this role she kind of has to accept like i need i'm the director and i need she needs to try to do it so sometimes she'll re resist against it but she's such a good actress that she's able to push that aside and make it work and you know like and yes she is she is uh quite a bit younger than me and um and it kind of, you know, I don't know, like, it, it's kind of funny because when we first, in the first Beehive was when this first came up and Lisa was like, no one will ever believe that she could be my daughter. This is not- <laughs> And everyone did. <laughs> <laughs> but I no just- take <laughs> I No take- No one questioned. It's part of like, just the way that actors are able to kind of change their persona and change the way they are and they can skew older and they can skew younger. And it helps that she's five feet tall because she just looks so much smaller and yeah. that kind of gives helps out with the youth factor of it. And, um, anyway, and, and, uh, she is, uh, you know what I mean? She's not like, she is kind of generationally younger than me. So, you know, so it, uh, it still works. It's funny um, to watch anyway, you sort I, of squirm through this because I didn't actually know that she was much younger than you. So, so as you, as you are sorry to talk about this, I didn't know that there was that much of an age difference. It's not like 20 years or something. No, it's not how, that. how many not. years is it? I, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say about her age. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Well then let's, let's turn the attention on to Lisa. So Lisa, is there a little bit of like, there's jokes, right? Like no one will believe that this girl yeah. is my daughter, but was there a little bit of like, all right, well, like, did you have, was it, was it I think for me, was it I, because you're looking, you're like, this is my friend that I talk to. Um, and, and I, listen, I really don't have that kind of sort of an ego. I really don't like, I, I know I'm, I have a lot of, of life experience and it's, it is hard to be an actress in a different way than it is to be an actor. And we all know it and we, we all know why, but as long as, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't like affect me honestly i just like to tease about it and joke about it because i love it when mclean's like you know that's what how they do it in hollywood and and usually you know a mother daughter i mean really in real life they're only like uh 14 uh, or 12 years apart and it's and he was so sweet about my feelings that i thought i i really i'm really just you know me anytime i can make a joke about anything i will do it Sure. Uh, Haley, there's a question from someone that's watching this. They would like to know. Uh, actually, let me introduce the person. It's Cynthia Kinsel Wren wants to know, were there any long running pranks on set? <laughs> pranks? I don't know. OK, I don't Oh, I don't I know, know about pranks, no. but I know like, oh, you've got one, McLean. OK, well, I will say like one kind of like longstanding joke i guess that we got a kick out of we really like to tease our lead guy tanner because it's just uh, so easy to tease him so he easy. is so talented so handsome such a good actor but he's just so easy to tease and he he has this thing where he loves to eat enormous quantities of cold cereal and 
like whole milk. He will be, he'll be sitting there eating a bowl of cereal and have two glasses of milk, drinking it with the bowl of cereal. This is like at two in the morning, mind you, in Hawaii. And I'm like, so it's like he's eating breakfast. It was just, and he would just, and then he'd just like leave it there. And I'm like, and so anyway, Lisa and I joke, we were like his moms in the house. We were giving them unsolicited life. Yeah, so on his last day of filming, we presented him with this giant bucket of gallons of whole milk and like a bunch of cold cereal and that was his like wrap <laughs> but it was really it was really cute <laughs> so yeah i think mclean has a prank though do you McLean? i don't have a prank but there was a line that um so in, when we did the utah portion uh kaylee mccormack who plays mindy who's you know the dramatic one who's always like in the first movie she's like the theater kid that's that's off the wall anyway she's wearing moon boots these shiny silver moon boots in um as as a bridesmaids as a bridesmaid and um we're shooting uh the rehearsal dinner scene and in the background they're just mingling and i can just see in the monitor she's like dancing in these moon boots and they're just so distracting (laughs) and i i i'm really good friends with her so I, I'm, I'm on, a, I have a microphone so everyone can hear. I said, I, I said, Kaylee, the moon boots, get out of the frame. Like, I can't have you, like, there's just too distracting. It's a very important scene. And I just see these big silvery moon boots in the background. <laughs> and so she resets and we redo it again. And then she's in a new spot and I, and she somehow finds the lens again and is dancing in the moon boots. And she goes, <laughs> McLean, you you approve these like what am i supposed to do i'm like just don't show them in the frame this is the chesterfields it's not like <laughs> and it was like the chesterfields is, is the name of like you know the parents of the groom and they're a little bit high class and so that was my way of explaining you would not do that at the chesterfields you could do that <laughs> at the you know at the at the bride's party but not the chesterfields and it was just like but he doesn't go like to her and tell her this he's on a microphone he's there's like, like 200 people in the room he's like kaylee Moon boots, no, it's the Chesterfield. And all of us are like, Mindy doesn't know who the Chesterfield are. Yeah, so that was her running gag about like (laughs) the Chesterfield anyway. So it's, it's a kind of a new thing. Like instead of, I don't want to, I don't, I don't like the term chuggy. I'm going to say like, is it Chesterfield or not Chesterfield? Yeah, Ah. If it's classy, it's Chesterfield. If it's not, then. How did you end up getting? <laughs> how did you end up getting Tanner? Because he's not part of the, of the team, as far as I understand it. He's not part of the crew. We can't see him in multiple projects with all of y'all. How did he come to to make his way into the film? Um, well, I'll tell that story. I guess just because I, you know. Yeah, a great audition. Yeah, he he um, actually, what's interesting is Claire was directing something for BYU TV, and um. And she met him anecdotally, like like he came to a set because one of the girls on set was was an actor in what she was directing. And she just met him and she just kind of had this like idea, like this guy has the right look. Cause I'd been, I'd been really searching. Cause like that part is so specific and it's so important. And I needed like the exact right. It's, it's a very, very hard part to play. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I needed somebody great. And she said, you should look at this Tanner guy. He's, he's got the right look. You know, we wanted him to look like a Romney. Basically we wanted him to look classically handsome and just like, kind of like, 
like he was made in a lab for, you know, like for like Latter-day Saint girls to be just obsessed with. And, and that's kind of what he looks like to me. And then also he just has that charm, but he also is such a good actor. And so I, she told me about him. I asked him to audition and literally 20 seconds into it, I was sold. And, Same. and I sent the tape to the lit, to, to Lisa and Haley and they were like, done. Oh, so yeah. got it. Just yeah. nailed it. He just nailed it. He was born to play this part. Uh, it's interesting when how here you uh, sort of describe what you were looking for, you know, that that uh, engineered sort of look, that handsome demeanor, incredibly talented. I kept checking my email inbox. I didn't ever see anything no. from you. But I understand. I understand. I may be a little bit too old, though. I do think it could kind of play into our culture a little bit. I'll let it sure. pass this time. All right. All right. Uh, another question that has come in. Uh, is there going to be a third film? Will it become a trilogy? Haley, you, you want to speak to that or McLean? I'll let well, Haley. We did do a lot of joking on set, a lot actually about what the third one could be. Some of it not appropriate to share. But I mean, I mean, it was like jokes like, what's next? Once I was divorced, once <laughs> you know, I don't know. But there, I mean, I think like realistically, I mean, I don't know, once I had a baby, I don't know what. I mean, we, we we definitely brainstormed a lot of different ideas, like what would naturally be next. I don't know. I definitely, I mean, to me, it depends on how well this does, because yeah. obviously we have to still make a living and and um, like make movies. And we, you know, like it, it, you know, like so. So if there's enough of a demand for it and if people really like it, like I'd love to. You know, I had an idea to do camping with the Carringtons where they don't always have to be like sequels, but they can be just like, you know, there's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Maybe we have our own MCU, you know, the Mormon, <laughs> Cinem you know what I mean? And it's just like different, different, you know, and people can kind of cross. And uh, I mean, I think people love the characters enough that like it would be fun to do like a a camping movie with the, that family, you know, a Christmas movie with the different, you know, like a think about all these these women coming together and doing like a like a Christmas pageant or you know what I mean? Like it could just be it could be really fun. So if you know, if it does well and if we have the same kind of like, you know, people catching on and loving it, like I would I I'm so happy anytime I'm I have Carrie Carrington on set and Holly Valentine and Nedra Rockwell and you know all the team. So like yes, I I would love to keep doing that, but you know, realistically it has to you know, it has to be like the demand has to come from the audience. We also joked that we had Adam Johnson in the first movie and we have Bart Johnson in the sequel. So I mean the third one, I guess we have to have Brad Johnson our other yeah. Johnson, other friend. So we, I mean, we have to just to yeah. even it out. Yeah. Otherwise it feels yeah. like there's being favoritism played. I understand yeah. it. That's, yeah. that is the perfect reason to make another movie, Haley. I'm glad that I'm We're, we're good friends. Yeah. We're thoughtful. Yeah. We're giving that way. Remember the Johnsons. <laughs> that will be the third film. Uh, so, someone is suggesting uh, maybe a crossover event and maybe you got to put your mind on this a little bit, McLean, but a crossover uh, with uh, the folks from Napoleon Dynamite, maybe the second generation of Napoleon Dynamite and the next generation. I'm just saying. If then we can go to Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, I'll call Jerry. Yeah, and it all yeah. comes into Idaho. Oh, I love it. Uh, someone else uh, suggests once I bought a fixer-upper, 
as oh, yeah. a, as a uh, <laughs> suggestion. Yeah, that's once I flip the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone wants to know: Is there any unexpected standout performances? Oh. Yes. Yes. And yeah. I'll tell you what it is. It's Mackenzie Sellers who plays Young Bree. Yeah. Cool. She's it, she has a it's a, it's it's not a huge part, but it's a linchpin part. And um, anyway, I she was just we did an open call for all these mini me mini characters of of the girls and and um, she actually submitted like more than one audition and I could tell she really wanted it and she really kind of like was different for each girl that she auditioned for and you know we did this side by side picture of her and Claire and like it was kind of uncanny how well they matched and um you know so she and she has a part you know like any, anyway I'll, I'll let people you know see it but um it's she's great and she was like you know it's it's hard sometimes when you're 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 trying to get somebody who doesn't have a ton of experience and and expect them to have a part in the movie that that actually makes a difference and um all the young girls that we got were great but her part was a little bit more meaty because she is playing the lead the young version of the lead and she kind of comes back mm -hmm. um so anyhow it's uh that for me was like a very wonderful surprise. Let's get to yeah. the, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say everyone for me as I was on set and seeing these characters come to life. I mean, to the Chesterfield parents and Bart playing Lisa's husband, you're like, who in the world could like stand, not stand up to Carrie Carrington, but like fit into her like universe. And you're like, oh, it's, Oh, this Bart Johnson. Okay, now I see it. But everyone just really, just really brought something special to their characters and gave them so much life, and it was just so fun to watch. Yeah, Bart. Bart to me wasn't a surprise because I know how good he yeah. is. But yeah. I think everybody that sees this movie is going to just say he is perfect. Yeah, and Bart has this ability, like you can aim the he where. Whenever you're looking at him, he's doing something interesting. Even if he's not doing a line, even if he, he's 100% in it, he's such a good actor. Like, I, my hope is that, you know, mostly he's known for being the dad in High School Musical. I want him to now be mostly known as the dad in Once I Wasn't Good. Yeah. Because he's, he's really, really so good. And I was so lucky to have him, you know, with his crazy schedule and all the stuff he does. And he shoots a lot of TV and... He's all over the place and to get him to do this was huge. So not a surprise that he was great, but I think he's going to, he's going to steal the show for a lot of people. Let's get to the business of the business. It opens up this week uh, on Wednesday, uh, the 21st, right? Is that 20th, 21st, 21st? Yeah. Uh, yep. And that's a crucial thing. But before that, you guys premiere it in front of a big audience. What What is your feeling today as we talk about this, about that premiere in front of a live audience? Go around the room. Haley, you go first, then Lisa, then McLean. I'm right now just mostly really excited. Um, it's going to be the first time that we're watching this movie with a lot of people and I yeah. watching a movie with an audience for the first time that is just there's just nothing like it it's just so fun to see what people react to and to see and to like feel their excitement and the buzz of the audience and I'm can't wait 
I just feel like so many people have had a, a, a rough go of it the last year. We haven't been going to movies. We haven't been getting together in large groups. So the idea of everybody coming together in a theater to laugh and have that experience and together to me is so exciting. I'll probably cry about it several times before tomorrow. <laughs> Happy to I, this may be a weird thing to say, but I really, I, for the first time, I think, I know people are going to like this movie. <laughs> I really do. I'm not nervous about whether they're going to like it or not. I am so confident in Lisa and Haley and Claire and Tanner and like, they brought so much to it. I know that if they come, they will like it. The only thing I, I'm nervous about is, are people ready to come out? Like Lisa said, are they ready to be in the theaters? Are they ready? Are they back, you, you know, like, will they go out and bring their families and bring their friends and go to the theaters? Because for so long, we've been kind of got out of that habit. So that's the only thing I'm nervous about. I really believe that if, if people go see this, they will get such a kick out of it and they will laugh out loud and they will just... It'll, it, it, it reminds me of like the rom-coms that we, that we all grew up watching and loving and the ones that just make you afterwards feel so happy. And the music is so great. We got, you know, great music from Tiffany Alvord and, and, you know, we got, we got a song from uh, Nate Roos and, and Sam Means of the format and, you know, Nate Roos is from fun. Like we just got these big songs and, and it just feels like, I don't know. It just it 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 feels like it's a really feel good movie and a really fun movie. So I'm I'm more nervous about like are people ready to come back to the theaters? Are they, you know, are they in that habit? But I, I I'm not nervous about whether or not they're gonna like it. It's important for people if they want to see more films like this to see it, especially on opening week slash weekend, because those numbers drive whether it'll expand to more theaters and all of that. Uh, I know a question that, as we've talked about uh, once I was engaged here in the cultural hall, that uh, people are saying, OK, well, Intermountain West, great. You guys are spoiled. You'll likely get it actually in theaters. But other places, if they want to have a screening or request it to their area, is that something that's possible with this film? Yeah, if you go to our website on Once I Was Engaged, you can you can reach out to say like if you if you anybody can sponsor a screening and say we want to mm -hmm. buy this out in our in our town and we will buy out a screening and if we do that we'll send the film print out and people like for example uh my uh there's an endodontist group in Leander Texas and they love our movies and what they do is they they say this is a marketing opportunity for us. We buy out all the tickets for a theater for one night. We send out emails to everyone and say, hey, come come uh, watch the movie with, they send it to Dennis and possible clients and everyone and and come watch the movie with us for free as a thank you for being, you know, and, and other businesses will do that just like as an advertising thing. So that's another way for people to like, if they really want it in their town to like, to bring it out. Um, but you can also kind of call your local Cinemark and say, hey, this is a movie we want. That makes a difference because they yeah. they they usually are just kind of worried about the big studio films that come in. But if there's enough noise in an area and if you let us know kind of on our website and on our Instagram and, and whatnot, then there are ways of getting it out there to wherever you are. 
I have one more question before I get to the final question that I ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall is, which one of your phones did you not turn off that's been dinging this whole time while we've been chatting? One of you guys' phone has been dinging the whole time we've been chatting. Who is it? it it's my dad's iPad, uh-huh. and I've been trying to turn it off, and I don't know how. I'm, <laughs> I'm in his office. My dad. I'm literally like trying so hard to like figure it out, but it is not working, so... Well, I'm, I'm at a hotel and there was a car alarm going off. I, there was nothing I could do, Richie. No, I'm so listen, sorry. listen. I have had it. Once I was a tech guy is the next film where we all we just see McClane trying to figure out how to turn off the noise notifications on an iPad. It's a short, I thought there would be have to do so much research. There's not anyway. It's a short. It's a short film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An Our, instructional video. Mm-hmm. We well, ask we, we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall uh, typically three questions, but since there's three of you, I'll ask you one question. I'm changing it up. Uh, that question is, as, as we sit here, as you think about this, as you think about your life in general, a broader question or a more specific question, the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? And whoever would like to go, then whoever's next would like to go. And then subsequently, if the other two of you have already gone, know that I'm waiting for that third person to answer that question. So I don't have to say, and next. Who would like to go first, though? I'm ready. Unless we want to do ladies first. No, no, of course not. Um, My favorite part about our faith is how inclusive it is. Um, and that may sound like an oxymoron because a lot of people think we're this small insular group. But when you really look at the doctrine of what we believe and if you look at how how we believe and how we practice, it's all about inclusion. It's all about loving people no matter what they're where they're where they're at, you know, in their testimony and whatnot. But if you really follow the essence of what we believe, you are inclusive and you love everyone no matter what where they're at and that's what i try to capture in my movies when i when i have faith movies is the inclusivity of what we believe if we're doing things the way that that god wants us to to do so that's my favorite part all right i'll go um I just love that um, how much hope there is in in the gospel and how I just know that Heavenly Father loves all of us so much and he wants to give us a billion times, a billion chances to all, you know, be together again. And so, I mean, because he gives us, you know, so much grace, like, I, I just love that it's such a good example for us to extend the same and like McLean was saying to each other and to just just give, you know, offer love and, you know, unconditionally and everyone's welcome and everyone gets the same billion chances and and there's just so much love. And I think that gives me a lot of hope and optimism and faith. Uh, my, my favorite part of our faith is um, the eternal nature of all of our relationships and not just of families, but I have really come to understand that all of the relationships that we have with our friends and our neighbors and those that come into our lives are, are, are all eternal. And, and that kind of connection 
to me right now, it, it just means everything. And, and, and I, I love that at the very center of the gospel message is, is Christ who, 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 who wants us, who's our best friend, who wants to take us and then we'll never forget about anyone ever. And, and that sort of eternal nature of that to me is, makes me feel so much love. The film I appreciate is, that doctrine. The film is called Once I Was Engaged. Make sure that you see it, well, just in general, but especially uh, this opening week. Uh, we rally the numbers. I'm saying top 10. I'm pointing to the outfield. We'll be in top 10 this weekend. You watch it. <laughs> I'm Babe Ruth in this thing. Everyone get out. Be able to see this film. Uh, drive those numbers up. It's time you get out of your house. You can wear your pajamas to the movie theater. That's perfectly fine. Sure. Yeah, they're not judging you. In fact, get all the young women and take you know everybody in their pajamas. Go see this. Whatever. Uh, it's once I was engaged in theaters. If you are in a place that maybe you can't get it on your screen, typically make sure you go to onceiwasengaged.com. And you can be able to uh, request it or find out how you can bring it to your area. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Debbie Wanless, BigMikesProducts.com, and Cake uh, Chocolate Cakes Bites Podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on the back row.